We talk a great deal about leadership in our local churches. The fact of the matter is you cannot ever be a leader until first you're a follower. Now, not everyone is equipped for leadership. Everyone is equipped for service, but not everyone is equipped for leadership. And have you noticed in your Bible that people don't become leaders until they become followers? Now, first, these people were followers of the Lord. They were followers of the apostles. Now, you be careful whom you follow, because the person you follow is going to be leading you where you go. In Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul has a warning about this matter of following the wrong people. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction. So you follow that crowd, you're walking into destruction. Now, Paul was able to say, be followers of me, because he was following Christ. Now, you're following someone. You may be following a preacher. You may be following some religious leader. You may have your eyes upon some member of the church. I have news for you. If you keep your eyes on people, you will be greatly disappointed. I know I have disappointed people. I know there are folks who have watched me, and I've disappointed them. I've disappointed myself. I'm sure I've disappointed the Lord. But Paul says that you became followers of us and of the Lord. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord and be careful to follow him. Now, in the Bible, followers ultimately become leaders. For example, Joseph. Joseph was a servant, a follower, before he became a ruler. This was true of Joshua. Joshua was Moses' servant before he became Moses' substitute. This was true of David. David was a shepherd before he became a king. It was true of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of the butlers, one of the officers to the king in the dining room before he became the governor of Judah. And so all the way through the Bible, followers, if they're faithful, become leaders. This is God's program. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. We go from servants to rulers, from few things to many things. Now, let me say a word to new Christians. The people at Thessalonica were just relatively new Christians. They had been saved only a few months, if that long, when Paul had to write this letter back to them. It's important that new Christians be with the right kinds of believers. He said, you became followers of us and of the Lord. Now, I said a few moments ago that Christians should not follow one another. But, you know, it's the nature of new babies to imitate. Our children imitate us. Children imitate parents and grown-ups. In fact, some people think this is cute. We learn by imitation. Little children learn by imitation. They learn to speak and walk and act by imitation. They learn good manners, we hope, at the dinner table by imitation. Now, young Christians, new babes in Jesus Christ, learn by imitation. There's something very fresh about young Christians in the church. This is why it's so important for us to be winning souls and to keep our churches filled with new babes in Christ. They are so refreshing. It's so wonderful to hear a new Christian pray who hasn't learned all the language that saints have been using for centuries. It's refreshing to hear a new Christian get up and give a testimony that's not all cluttered up with the cobwebs that are on the testimonies of people who have been in our churches for years. Why is it our testimonies are so dead and dull? Because we're starting to imitate each other. 
Now, let's be careful to keep our testimonies fresh, and let's not lead these new Christians astray. When we get up to pray or to testify, let's make it fresh and real and living because the new Christians, the young Christians in your church, are going to imitate the older Christians. This is why I believe in church standards. Now, I know that standards don't make people spiritual. In the church that I pastor, we do have standards for our leaders. We don't run around with a microscope to investigate their lives, but we do try to have standards. I have four children in our Sunday school. I don't want any Sunday school teacher undoing what I'm trying to do with my children at home. I don't ever want my children to come home and say, well, my Sunday school teacher does thus and so, and you say it's wrong. How come he does it? We have standards in our church because we believe that officers who are leaders ought to be good leaders and good examples. That's what Paul's saying here. You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word. Now, this is interesting. The word of God is what opens the way for us to follow the Lord. How do you follow the Lord? Through his word. When you and I open the Bible, we are seeing the Lord. A friend of mine says, when you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. When you close your Bible, God closes his mouth. God speaks to us and shows us his will for our lives through his word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. How do you like that? They became examples, followers, examples of all that believe. They were an exemplary group of people. Now, friends, whether we like it or not, the outside world expects Christians to be different. You can argue if you want to, but they expect this. Over in Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John were on their way to the temple, to the prayer meeting, and they saw this cripple there at that beautiful gate, and there he was begging. And Peter said, look on us. And the word of God says, and he looked upon them, he fastened his eyes upon them, expecting to receive something. Now, this is true. Unsaved people look at Christians and they expect us to be different. They expect to receive something from us. And they're right. They're right. Because we have met the Lord. Now, it's time that the churches today began to practice New Testament Christianity. This means church discipline. I know people don't like church discipline. Later on in Thessalonians, we're going to examine this matter of church discipline. But let's remember this. Somebody is following you. You are the best Christian somebody knows. Where are you leading them? Now, they were exemplary and they were enthusiastic. Verse 8, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. They were an enthusiastic group. Now, the word enthusiasm is a Greek word. It means God in us. An means in and theos means God. And so an enthusiast was someone in whom the gods were working. Whenever some person in Greece was going through uh, some kind of an emotional frenzy, he was and theos, God was working in him. He was enthusiastic. Now, there's nothing wrong with enthusiasm. There's a difference between enthusiasm and fanaticism. Enthusiasm is governed by the head as well as the heart. There is zeal, but there's knowledge. A fanaticism is zeal without knowledge, people saying and doing foolish things that disgrace the Lord. Now, the people in Thessalonica were enthusiastic about the gospel. They were evangelistic. They were soul-winning Christians. From you sounded out the word. Notice in verse 5, the gospel came to them. 
in verse 6, they received the word. In verse 8, they shared the word. We can only become transmitters if we've been receivers. Now, the reason many Christians are not giving out the gospel is because they've never received it. I dare say most of the people in our churches today are not concerned about sharing the gospel. Because if they were concerned, we'd see more people saved. Too many church members have the idea that the church pays the pastor and the pastor's job is to go out and win people to Christ. No, in Thessalonica, the members were the ones who went out and shared the gospel. Now, this little word sounded out is the picture of a trumpet. You were trumpeting out the gospel. Now, everybody blows some kind of a trumpet. The Pharisees blew a trumpet to brag about what they were doing. This is why we have this saying in the English language, well, he just toots his own horn. What's it mean to toot your own horn? It means to call attention to yourself, to brag about yourself. But Paul says these Christians weren't out tooting their own horn. They were trumpeting the gospel. Now, you're, you're blowing some kind of a horn. You're either bragging about your church, and there's nothing wrong with that, or you're bragging about yourself or what you've done. But Paul said these people blew the trumpet to sound out the word of the Lord. Now, you can't blow a trumpet quietly. When I was just a young lad, my two older brothers were taking trumpet lessons in school. They were in the band. I was not permitted because they gave me a test and discovered I had no musical ability. I'm not so sure my brothers had any musical ability. But be that as it may, I can recall in the evening when I'd be trying to read or study, my brother would be in the bedroom blowing the trumpet. Now, you can't blow a trumpet quietly. You can't go in the basement somewhere. You've got to really give it all that you have. Now, isn't this a beautiful picture of soul winning, of evangelism? We don't go around whispering the gospel. Some people do. Some people are in God's secret service. They are sort of evangelical counter-spies who tiptoe around and quietly tell people about the Lord. I don't think that's the way the people did it in Thessalonica. Now, this doesn't mean we should go around shouting in people's ears and making nuisances of ourselves. I think you get the point. The point is they were proud of the gospel. The point is they were enthusiastic about it. They weren't whispering it in a corner. They were shouting it from the housetops. They were sounding out. They were trumpeting forth the gospel. Now, the trumpet message has to be clear. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and says, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? You can imagine a group of soldiers hearing the trumpet blow, and they can't tell if it's reveille or taps or what it is. Now, this blowing of the trumpet means they were enthusiastic. It was a clear message. They gave it all that they had. They spread the message a great distance away, not just in Thessalonica, but throughout all Macedonia and Achaia. The whole region roundabout heard the gospel because of the enthusiasm of these church members. Now, it would be wonderful if we had this today. It'd be wonderful if when we go visiting and we start to tell people about Christ, they say, oh, we've already heard that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if when a pastor goes into the hospital to visit people, he says, well, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Oh, one of your members has already told me about the gospel. I'm ready. Tell me more. We don't find too much of this, though, because our church members today, unfortunately, are not enthusiastic about the gospel. Now, I wonder what it is that keeps us from being enthusiastic about the gospel. I wonder if our lives have really been radically changed so that we appreciate what he's done for us. Have we lost our first love? Jesus spoke to that church in the book of Revelation, and he said, you've lost your first love. 
I'm afraid that's happened to many Christians and many church members today who used to want to sound forth the gospel, but now they've gotten cold and backslidden and indifferent. Well, may the Lord help us today to blow the trumpet for Jesus, because one of these days, he's going to be blowing the trumpet for us, and he's going to call us home, and then our days of witnessing are going to be over. Well, this is Pastor Warren Wearsby at Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. Thank you so much for tuning our way. I trust that the good word today has done good to your heart. I trust you'll be tuning in again next time when together we'll open 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and find out what's the good word.